everybody fucking welcome to pretty scary pretty scary boo pretty scary boo can we just talk about ghost adventures again this week nothing would make me happier oh man how's it going caitlin i have pink eye and diarrhea <laughs> i shouldn't laugh no it's funny that's why i'm saying it because i know it'll make people laugh but it's also true that is such a bummer i had like like the hills have eyes kind of pink eye this weekend <laughs> like <laughs> Like my, my eye was, my eye was so infected that I woke up on Saturday morning and it was sealed shut. Like, like my eye had been underneath a pyramid for 200 years. Like I had to like call in experts. It was so bad. Um, I've had that before where you wake up and you're like, oh my God, I can't open my eye. I couldn't open my eye. And so like. I had to manually like peel my eye open and then like the light, it was like in a movie where I could hear the light. It was like, like, I was like, Oh my God. Now backstory to this, my son had pink eye. Now I had pink eye as a kid. You know what? I don't remember my mom getting pink eye because I had pink eye. Okay. So I wasn't worried about it. I was like, you're a kid. You're gross. I touch your poop literally every day sure whatever you know it is what it is so it's kind of hopping from one eye to the other with him i'm getting comments from my mother-in-law who watches him and i'm like look you're talking to the biggest hypochondriac in the family it's just pink eye like it's gonna go away it's gonna be fine my husband has it on friday for like 45 minutes like it's nothing (laughs) like he literally like it's just like it it looks irritated poor guy you know yeah and i'm like oh you got it he's like oh i put some clear eye in it it's going away i'm like yeah it is going away cut to saturday i wake up and it's like outbreak and you know i'm like writing my last will and testament sure so all weekend not only do i have pink eye but i'm fucking wiped out like I'm tired because my immune system is like, whoa, we haven't had you. Sh- you can't just spring something like this on us, <laughs> you know, because I haven't been outside in eight months. So I'm like chilling with pink eye all weekend. And then last night I get diarrhea. Cha cha cha. You know why? Because I had so my husband got us some ramen for the first time and for and not like restaurant ramen. I'm talking, you know, freeze dried astronaut ramen. Sure. And I was like, why not? You know, sounds good. Could, what could go wrong? And again, you know, I've been eating really healthy for the most part in all of this, aside from massive amounts of drinking. And my body was like, Caitlin, that's more sodium than we've had in six months. Let's get it out of here. It just rocked my world. It rocked my world. So, yep, reporting from my house with pink eye and diarrhea in the middle of this news crisis, like cycle also. This is. I just, I feel like I'm really thankful I didn't have COVID in the middle of this news cycle. I can't imagine all the people that have COVID watching what's going on because that would be multiple layers of, 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 I don't even know what the word for that is. Um, well, yeah, I mean, what's happening in the world right now is it's very confusing and it's very troubling. And, uh, all that talk about illness and viruses and diarrhea kind of lends itself to what we're talking about today, which is sort of two things. One, we're talking about a documentary, but not really a documentary. It's a movie that looks like a documentary. 
So, and it's not a mockumentary. So it's not like a uh, spinal tap or no. waiting for Guffman or anything like that. This is a, I don't know that I've seen something quite it. You know what it re- reminds me a little bit of is a found footage horror movie. A little bit. Yeah. So like, there's a couple good ones out there. One of them is hell house LLC. I think I've talked about it on this show before, but I cannot recommend that more highly. It's so good. Um, and then there's another really good one. It's older. It's called Lake Mungo. Yeah. Lake um, Mungo's really good. Troll Hunter is really good. Troll Hunter's super, super good. So this, so it's like in, in that, that's really kind of other than the horror genre. I don't think I've ever seen a dramatic false documentary reenactment. It's interesting. Yeah, it's it's interesting and it represents a really interesting moment in American history because the film we're talking about, it's a 2006 movie called Death of a President. And what's interesting about it is it's presented as a documentary about the assassination of George W. Bush. And it came out when George W. Bush was in office. Right. And at that point in American politics, like the left, like everything we make fun of the right for saying about Obama, the left was saying about George Bush. Like we were like, he's building FEMA camps. He's going to put us all in them. Like we were very adamantly anti-Bush. I remember because I was studying abroad when this was happening and uh, I got into some, it was hard to be an American in Paris at the time. I'll just say that. It was like Paris, Paris was fine. It was England. That was tough. People in in England were shitty to us because of all of this. Yeah. As if England didn't sign off on going to war with Iraq too. Let me say something really quickly about England. Okay. Because I know, I know America is like, it's America. Okay. I can't defend America. I'm not defending America. I, I mean, I don't hate America because I live here, but Okay, you get what I'm saying. Yes. If we want to talk about karmic retribution for the pain and suffering that has been inflicted on the planet Earth, let's talk about England and what they've <laughs> like the karmic BS that they're going to have to work off because we copied all of their shit. We just did it worse than they did. Okay. Like we did like the sad evangelical version of what they did. Like right. I, anyway. Well, it's a whole, it bothers me to no end to be like, America's got, you know, we did all of this. It's like, yeah, we did, but that's, that's country making. It's yeah. brutal. It's awful. Like, I mean, it's, it, it's kind of a conversation for a, another episode, but it's also like not that much more progressive or advanced than the United States. Like Europe in general, isn't oh. any more advanced or progressive than the United States. We spent, that's one of the things that makes me so angry about the Bill Clinton years. We spent all of those years like (laughs) in Europe, they don't care about sex scandals. And it's like, yeah, the country you're referring to is sliding quickly into fascism also. So (laughs) you take the good with the bad. At the point when this movie came out though, I think a lot of people, I I don't think a lot of people saw it. It wasn't if you can believe it, it didn't get a wide theatrical release in the United I, States. I had never heard of it. it. And there's there's one person in this documentary that later became much more well documentary. This movie that later became much more more well known as a comedic actor. So it's kind of funny to see him in it. Yeah. We'll get to it. But I think like if you hear the premise, and I think a lot of people who heard the premise and did see the movie at the time, you would think, oh, well, everyone hates George W. Bush. So watching this movie and seeing him 
take a hot one in the gut is going to be really cathartic and it's going to feel good. And oh man, it does not. I mean, I, I'm sure for some people, like if you're a fucking sociopath or you can't think ahead. Do we want to talk about this point right now or do we want to talk about it later? Yeah, I guess we'll we'll get to it later because we. I should point out we're also obviously talking about Trump and right. the... I like we all know what's happening with Trump. He's been diagnosed with COVID. He's checked into the hospital. He's left since. And I think there are I don't think I know there are a lot of people who are giddy about the fact that Trump has COVID and might die. And I I don't boy, do I disagree with that take on things? Well, it's like, yeah, okay. well, we'll get to it. I agree with you. I it grosses me out to no end to see people cheering about what's happening. I, I, we'll talk about it when you're ready to talk about it because I got shit to say about it. But well, I guess we should back into the, I don't know, whatever you want to do. I mean, we can kind of talk about it now because I think that first point about how, and, and that's why we're, I want to parallel it with this movie and encourage people to watch this movie because the point this movie makes, and I think the point a lot of people are missing when it comes to Trump and COVID is when a sitting president dies in office, things do not overnight get better. They are going to get significantly worse. All of the things, and we're already seeing it, all of the things that you hate about Trump are going to get worse if he dies in office. The most important thing to take away from this movie or to just take away from what we're seeing right now is anything that happens to the president is political and can be used in a political way, period. That's the end of it. So if, if you think that president Trump dying of COVID won't be used as anything other than another leverage in any kind of agenda, and it doesn't matter, you know, I I don't want to take away from a point that you've made in the notes here, but I'm going to. <laughs> we're not talking about Republicans and de- Democrats. We're not we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about America. And we have to all acknowledge that we're there's only one side here. Okay? Like whether or not people are, are you know, yeah, we can talk about how polarized we are and all of these things, but I'm sorry cats and kittens, we're all stuck here together. And there is a certain understanding that I think both sides can at least agree on, which is there's like, you know, 12, I don't know, probably 13, nine, maybe an odd number of people that run all of this at the end of the day, like truly. Yeah. And this is not going to be anything other than a a way, no matter what, to move forward with something. And what will be, we're going to get the brunt of it no matter what. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I don't understand why people don't understand that. Now, also, I want to also say from a human being standpoint, I do not condone nor support, nor understand the cheering of the pain and suffering of another human being. Okay. I'm, I'm anti-war. I am anti-violence. I, and I'm sticking to it. I mean, I get the jokes. Of course I get the jokes, but like if that video of him gasping for air is actually him gasping for air because he has COVID, that's, that's one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't think there's any possible way that wishing a painful death on someone is good for you. No. Like there's no, I I get 
the like I guess I get the jokes and I get that I'm a I'm a straight white male. So Trump's America hasn't been as hard on me. So I get I understand the extreme reactions to some extent. I just don't want to be treated like a Trump supporter for not participating in it. And I think people are being very, very, very short-sighted in terms of what the ramifications of this will be. At the end of the day, even if he survives, this is a disaster for this country. Let's not just sit, let's, let, and let's, let's just for a second, because we're going to get into political theater here in a minute. Let's talk about what this means about the progress of COVID-19, because this is like, nobody's talking about this. But if COVID-19 has infiltrated the White House, that means it has infiltrated, to me with this, and I could be wrong, but I feel like Adam and I have a good track record. 10 years from now, we're going to see that this is directly related to opening schools, directly related to opening schools, because that's like how this thing spreads. Like kids are all up in each other. Like this is the way it goes. And if everybody's sending their kids somewhere and they're all coming back home, this is how it happens. This is exactly what is going on. And so if it's up in the upper echelon of the White House, buckle up, kids, because between now and the end of the year, it's not just it's going to be rough. It, I mean, even the White House is projecting 200,000 people dying between now and January. Yeah. And it also just says such terrible things about our government. Like, you know who's taking coronavirus very seriously? Vladimir Putin. Oh, yeah. There are two hotels in Sochi that are strictly for people to quarantine in before they meet with Vladimir Putin. And that's only if they absolutely have to meet in person. He's still doing everything via video. He's still locked away where no one can reach him because he's the leader of that country. And like, not only that we couldn't keep the leader of our country safe, but that even if we could, he wouldn't have wanted us to is just such a sad, sad statement about what kind of country we are right now. Well, I think to, I think to maybe put my own spin on it, I think it is a sad statement of what people have now defined patriotism as. I think that's, I think that he is reflecting back the more extreme areas of his support groups that a single individual human life doesn't matter over, I don't know, finish that sentence, which by the way, is supposed to be like a Russian thing. (laughs) Right. Not an American thing. So, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 if he dies of this thing, I, I don't even know. Well, let's talk about what could happen. Yeah, let's <laughs> talk. And we're, we're going to go through, like, not, I don't want to go th- exhaustively go through every detail of the movie. We'll hit on some of the, the things that happen in it and kind of compare them to how that could play out here. And I would argue even if Trump lives, because here's the thing, the way this is being spun is basically that it was an assassination attempt by China. Yep. And at that point, is there a difference if he lives or dies? Like, like the, the outcome isn't going to be much different. So I don't know. I mean, I, I hope you're wrong. Oh man. So do I really hope you're wrong. I just hope you're wrong. I love you. And I hope you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've just, hoped I I was wrong for about five years now. We both have. I mean, unfortunately, you and I. Although now I am bearing the the external, <laughs> uh, the external wounds of seeing into the future with this pink eye. Um, Correct. I, I'm the I'm the real Cassandra here. 
I have not wanted to be right about any of this. I remember early on you and I having a conversation very, very clearly about how like, oh, well, if they don't take, if they really truly aren't taking this seriously, then Republican leaders are going to get this thing. Oh yeah. And I think at the time I was kind of hoping like, I guess I was hoping they were just lying to us blatantly, but what this shows is that they believed all their bullshit. Like everything they were saying, they really were being that careless and that reckless. Truly. Yeah. I don't know what they thought this was. I I mean, did go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm so blown away by this whole thing. Let's talk about this movie. It opens with an interview with a Muslim woman. She's not identified at first and she's clearly lecturing whoever committed this crime that we know is going to happen going into the movie. And she basically says, did you not think for one second about what the ramifications and consequences of this would be? And it's a good opening to the movie. And it's a good thing to keep in mind as this situation with Trump progresses. But the movie itself, basically, George Bush is giving a speech at the Sheraton in Chicago, and he gets assassinated. Can we just talk about what it was like? To watch George Bush speak, though, because they got great archive of him giving a speech. Yeah. And I was like, man, I miss that. I don't miss him, but I miss a, pre- a president being able to give a speech. Yeah. I've I've said the same thing about Obama. Like, as mad as I am about drone strikes and not closing Guantanamo and all the deportations, at least he looked good in front of the rest of the world. Like... Exactly. And I feel like every president... I just said this on an unpopular opinion this week. I feel like every president in my lifetime has had a little bit of that. Like even when Reagan was clearly losing his mind, he was a very charming public speaker. Reagan was the best at this. I mean, truly. I mean, I, I, he really, that was his whole thing. Yeah. I mean, he was a monster. Yes. But all presidents are okay. Like at a certain point, everybody needs to just like stop waiting for a president of all things to be their savior. It's disgusting and stupid to me. I have to say it is just the most short-sighted, immature, uneducated position to take that you want this person who is insane enough to want to run the most powerful country in the world to be a, like some extension of your personality. It's, it's just, it's wild to me. Go find Jesus then, you know, cause you could do that with Jesus. <laughs> yeah. And it's, The thing that I I make this point all the time, but that our team versus their team mentality and the way it has overtaken American life just allows the government to do whatever they want. Yes. Because half the country is always going to support what the government's doing, no matter what they're doing, no matter who it hurts, no matter what the impact for the people who support it could be five or 10 years down the road, they know at no matter what, they're going to have 50% of the support in this country. And that's enough. Like that's enough to be like, Hey, why don't you just see things our way? When the truth is we should, it just shouldn't be that way. It's, I mean, it's brilliant that the American government has managed to well, get let's this. be honest. This is how all government has worked forever, period. I mean, this is the bread and circuses thing. This goes back. This is why I get frustrated when people are like, you know, they do that like dark night thing. Things are worse than ever here. It's like, look, guys, like this is always been this way. It's just, you know, but now yeah. we have penicillin. Like, that's great. <laughs> we got something. Yeah. 
Samsung's oh, making man. a phone that folds. Woohoo! How bad can life be? I miss my razor. <laughs> I loved my razor and I loved my Blackberry. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So George Bush gets shot in this movie. That's what happens. And he <laughs> dies. And they, after it happens, they cut back to the woman they're interviewing in the beginning. And she says a whole bunch of stuff about how her husband came home that night and he was acting weird. And then the last thing she says, please don't let it be a Muslim who did this. Which, yeah. that. Guess what, guys? It's not. But they do arrest one. Oh, yeah. So one of the first people they identify as a victim, though, in this movie is a white dude who's angry about George Bush's crackdown on civil liberties. And that obviously gets a whole lot worse after the president is assassinated in this movie. But in real life, like we don't even need Trump to have contracted coronavirus for coronavirus to crack down on our civil liberties. That's how, that's how it happens. Whenever there's a crisis or an emergency, we give up a little bit of freedom to get through it. Yeah, but here's what's fascinating to me. Up until this point, they have refused to acknowledge it as an emergency. So are you saying that you think that they're just going to do an about face and suddenly be like, never mind, martial law, we're fucked? Well, it's not necessarily martial law, but contact tracing is a thing that a lot of people are arguing for. And I think it's a thing that we do legitimately need. And it's like independent of this administration. Again, it's one of those government issues where, yes, we need contact tracing right now, but we also need some sort of assurance and proof that once this passes, they'll flip that switch back off. Because what it amounts to is them being able to track your every move through your phone. And that's not like, I don't care what version of America you think you live in. That's not America. Like that's not what we're supposed to be. We can be that when we're trying to put down a pandemic, but after that, are we going to get that back? We don't normally, when, when you give the government power, they don't normally. Well, then what you're talking about to me leads to actually the election going to Biden. If that's the goal. What do you mean? Because as I don't even know how I define myself anymore politically or spiritually other than a person talking into a computer to one of her best friends. And now I have pink eye and diarrhea. Um, I just think left leaning politics does give much more power back to social programs. We'll put in asterisks. And I feel like that sounds like a Biden win and a Biden program, because truthfully, if the right, if, if, if Trump, Okay, if Trump survives the next two weeks and, you know, we find ourselves really gearing up for an election and we see the second term of Donald Trump, I have a hard time seeing how they could politically maneuver into suddenly taking coronavirus so seriously that they truly invest in contact tracing. Because right now, the contact tracing programs are spotty. They're not talking. It's like the Zodiac all over again. It's like different counties not doing the same things. Like there's no organization behind it. Right. So 
But organization behind it and doing it on a larger scale is a thing a lot of people are calling for. I know. And I don't think that the that, that a Republican led pre, you know, presidency is going to invest in that. I think a Democratic one would. I don't think so. That, if that, Biden wins and he puts that in place, is that better? Like we still no, have to worry about. I'm not saying it's, not saying it's better. Yeah. I'm just saying I think it's more likely to be able to be funded and carried out under a Democratic president rather than a Republican. That's literally all I'm saying. Yeah. And we have a history of I mean, it goes back yeah. to the partisanship thing. Like if that happens, like the left will be fine with it and the right will think it's that's, a conspiracy. That's what I'm saying. It's I feel like <sighs> I feel like if the right wins this presidency, they're going to have to do like literally acrobatic moves to then decide suddenly that COVID is an issue in order to actually fund national contact tracing. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like in the case of this movie, the the erosion of civil liberties comes in the form of an expanded version of the Patriot Act. Speaking of giving the government powers that they're never going to relinquish, like we did that after 9-11. And we're already seeing a little bit of this crackdown on civil liberties as a result of Trump's coronavirus diagnosis, because after he got out of the hospital and did that whole show about taking his mask off, he put up this video and was like, coronavirus is less lethal than the seasonal flu. Don't be afraid of it. We're going to reopen everything soon. And social media sites blocked that video because it's misinformation. Coronavirus is significantly more lethal than the seasonal flu. And nothing is opening. It's not happening. Like, that's not going to happen. But immediately after they did that, he tweeted, repeal Section 230. And Section 230 is the thing that keeps a website operator from being punished for the activities of their users. So I don't even know how Section 230 would play into what just happened here, but that will be a very blatant assault on our freedoms. That will happen as a result of Trump getting coronavirus. So I know, like, I get that it's made for some fun Instagram posts, but no, I'm we're not, already fucked. I'm not happy about it. Like, I hate to be this person, but it's like, I think everybody needs to do some real soul searching right now about who they want to be here. Because if you're literally taking to the internet and cheering for the death of, I'm going to say anyone, and I might get blowback for this, but I don't care because I truly believe this, then you have allowed yourself to be completely hijacked by this news cycle. A hundred percent. You've been hijacked by Trump. Like that's what Trump does. That's Trump shit. Yeah, exactly. And you are, you know, choose your enemies wisely for you will become them. If you spend all day yelling at people online, you are a person yelling at people online all day. That's who you are. That's what you do. What you think, what you feel, that's not who you are. What you do is who you are. So like we're headed towards a whole new world here now. Like there's no other, there's no question in my mind and who you are really matters because <laughs> that's, that's what you're walking around in every day. Yeah. And I, I just can't sit here and stew in like clever p- hot takes from people who are co-renting an apartment. Like, who are you? Why do I, I don't know. I just, yeah. I mean, that's, that's why I don't use social media for fun anymore. <sighs> like it's, uh, it's too much, but another thing worth noting that happens in this movie 
In the immediate aftermath, obviously, Dick Cheney becomes our president. And I don't think anyone would have wanted that, no matter how bad Bush was. So think about the outcome here. If Trump dies, Mike Pence is our president. I would rather Cheney right now than, than Mike Pence. Cause, yeah, the thing about I'm Mike sorry. Pence, he he won. I would argue he believes the things Trump says more than Trump believes them. Because yeah. he was the head of the coronavirus task force and his boss got coronavirus and ended up in the hospital. That He's really bad at his job. It's, like, wake up, everybody. Well, not just that, but like Trump will pretend to be religious when he needs to, to rile up his base. Pence is. Mike Pence is a borderline fundamentalist Christian. And you don't want a yeah. fundamentalist anything in the White no. House. He's he's the town from Footloose in one person. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is not good. And he's also a significantly better and more skilled politician than Trump. Like, he knows how to give a speech. He knows how to look official. And he is absolutely filled with evil. And that will be our president if Trump dies. The thing is, is like, I don't even, it's not that he's, he is uncompromising. Okay. I, I'm an American. I believe people are allowed to believe what they want. Okay. He can believe whatever he wants. The issue is that he makes all of his decisions from a place of fundamentalist Christianity, which most concerns me. I I would be concerned if a hardcore fundamentalist atheist (laughs) took that position, because that would be also very concerning for people that don't agree or believe in those things. So it's more that he's uncompromising and, and subscribes to the craziest amount of magical thinking about America that I just, I can't, I cannot believe. At least Cheney was in it for himself and an actual politician. Yeah, Cheney just wanted to sell oil. Yeah, that's it. What is Pence? Pence is going to believe that it's, it's like a a act of God. And so will all of those supporters. Yeah, it's how we end up in some handmaid's tale shit. That's what that's what we're we're propelling toward with Pence in office. Trump is just corrupt. Pence will be corrupt in a much scarier way. Like he'll be ordained. Yeah, like again, you don't want a fundamentalist anything. Anything in charge. That's a bad so bad many look. People are becoming fundamentalist everything right now and it's just like so disappointing. Like people I like, people I follow, people I agree with most of the time, we've where's your humanity? Like it's just bizarre. Yeah. And very so, disappointing. Yeah, so my Dick Cheney becoming president is such a great parallel talking point to kind of what we're in line for if things go down. Yeah. Like okay, but again, I will say that I prefer early 2000 problems over this by a lot. Well, the thing about early 2000 problems is they all happened in another country far, far away from us. Right. And that makes, that is a, that is quite the privilege and it makes, I mean, it's obviously going to make things seem less harrowing and intense, but now that it's like shit's happening here too. Ugh. So let's talk about another thing that happens in this movie that I think will uh, we're already seeing as a response to this situation also, which is, I don't, I don't know if I want to say racial profiling, but there are going to be some racial tensions that erupt over this in a, a very bad way, or at least could. And in the movie, it 
it happens in the form of the FBI just uh, publicly identifying. First off, they say in the movie, well, we started looking at Muslim names, obviously, when going through this list of people who could have shot George Bush, who were in the nearby buildings. And they identify the suspect named Jamal Abdul Zikri. They immediately leak his name to the press, which is a thing the FBI loves. Just ask Richard Jewell or Stephen Hatfield, the guy who first got blamed for the 2001 anthrax attacks. $5.82 million settlement they had to pay him for publicly making him out to be a domestic terrorist for six years. That happens in this movie, too. Obviously, because it's 2006 America, a terrorist attack has just occurred. So obviously it's Muslims, but not now in this case, I don't think we'll see it in that way. But what this is going to do, whether Trump survives or not, is really escalate our tensions with China. Like we're already seeing that. And it's happening at a time when even Democrats are telling Trump he's soft on China. Joe Biden said that he's told Trump he's soft on China. And there are already, like, we already know Trump has been calling this the China plague, the China virus. Even in his propaganda video, he was like, the coronavirus or whatever you want to call it. It's like, no, it's that's what you got it right, finally. But I know what you're doing. Yeah, I think he even said China virus or China plague in that video. I don't know. Or the one, I think the one before he went to the hospital. He starts talking and I just get so upset. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I need, I just read transcripts now. I literally like, it's like Pavlovian. I'm just like, huh? like I can't. There are already right wingers who are pushing this narrative that China needs to be punished for giving Trump coronavirus. Like Kelly Loeffler. If you follow sports, you've heard this monster's fucking name. She is the owner of a WNBA team who has very vehemently criticized her players for supporting Black Lives Matter. And she's also a politician. She tweeted this. She's in the wrong business. Oh, yeah. 100%. She tweeted this the other day. Remember, China gave this virus to our president and first lady. We must hold them accountable. Cool. And like, it's obvious what she's saying there. Like, we need to take some kind of direct action against China for trying to kill our president, which I threw up some air quotes there. Yeah. People at home. And theater of the mind, theater of the mind. There are already articles, even before this, that were going around kind of speculating if Trump's October surprise was going to be maybe we need to go to war with China before this election, which wartime presidents very, very rarely lose elections i don't i I don't think that's gonna happen before the end of the month i mean i i sure hope not but i I, i'm not saying it's not possible but i think no but either either way this isn't going to improve that situation it's going to make that situation significantly worse not only that but i would like to point out that hollywood is essentially shut down and um, there's an interesting discussion happening in the entertainment world about movies kind of becoming sanitized, essentially because they're becoming massive exports to China. It's why we're not seeing a bunch of sex in movies anymore and there's no blood and that kind of a thing. And, and most horror movies, for example, are not are, are domestic. They're not they're not international for all sorts of cultural reasons with China. And it's been a little I don't necessarily disagree, to be honest with you. I mean, I think movies have become pretty boring um, yeah. in the last 10 years for the most part, unless they're made domestically and independently, which happens every nine months, essentially, which is sad. 
Um, so even the left, like you're saying, has had some interesting conversations about China's worldview and their influences on American culture through even our art and um, and entertainment. And that's that's a, the I mean that's that's coming from both sides. That's not just the left. And we're talking big money. And if this COVID thing is happening and these movie theaters are all shut down, I don't know. Yeah, one thing I I bring up a lot on all the podcasts is this uh, paper that came out in it came out before 9-11 and it was written by Dick Cheney, uh, Donald Rumsfeld, all the like big old Donnie. I forgot about Donnie for a little while. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could. Fuck that guy. But <laughs> it was written by all these basically Republican war hawk types and it was called a uh, project for the new American century. And it came out before 9-11 and it laid out all of these countries that the United States was going to have to engage in conflict with and win to maintain our power on the world stage. And this wasn't like, this isn't like a classified document that leaked. This was a thing that they got together and wrote and presented to the public. And it not only listed all these countries we would have to engage in conflict with and beat to maintain our power, but it also said it would be pretty helpful if there was like a Pearl Harbor type situation that happened and cut to a couple years later, 9-11 happens and this project for a new American century thing swings into action. And the only country on that list that we have not engaged in conflict with yet is China. Cool. And Oh, Adam, you and your reading. So stressful. And one of the things you see in this movie is they first they racially profile a Muslim man as the perpetrator here. But then they also go, well, he's from Syria, so... Did Syria do this? Like, did Syria make him do this? Should we send some warships to Syria? Which we do. And like, think about how we got into the war in Iraq. Oh, I, yeah, that's... <laughs> like, it's... There was no evidence. Like, the anthrax attacks were not carried out by Iraq, but we presented them as being that. Even after the FBI was interviewing domestic suspects over it, there were no weapons of mass destruction. The yellow cake uranium thing was a hoax. But we put that circumstantial evidence together and we're like, I guess we have grounds to invade Iraq. They'll do that with China. Like they're already setting the stage for it by implying that China seeded this virus around the world and that they withheld information about it. And like, it's not outside the realm of possibility that we might at one point be like, we got to get China for this. I hope not, because that's a real scary thought. It's a terrifying thought. So many people would die. So many people. And it would be like young, poor people, mostly. As usual. (sighs) This next part. This is the scariest part to me. I know. I was like, I don't want, uh, let's skip it. (laughs) Yeah. Just go ahead. I already have pink eye and diarrhea. Another thing you see in this movie is after George Bush is assassinated, there is a serious uptick in faulty beliefs among Americans. In the case of this movie, it's the idea that Muslim equals terrorist, which we saw a lot of that after 9-11. I remember. But with coronavirus, we already know what it's going to be because it's already been that. And the faulty belief that is going to be reinforced by all of this is that coronavirus isn't that dangerous and that we shouldn't worry about it. And we should just go out into society and open things up and roll the dice. And like, 
I was thinking that Trump supporters would just kind of infer that from this. Like they would just kind of glean that message, but they didn't even have to because he put out a whole video saying exactly that. And it's like, I just want, I don't know if any Trump supporters listen to this, probably not, but please take into account that man got an experimental treatment that isn't even available to the American public yet. He got drugs that you have no chance of getting and he still might die. Like there is nothing about what Trump is going through that implies coronavirus isn't a serious threat, but you know, his fucking followers will take it that way. If they even believe he got it, there's, there's people on the left and right who are like, I don't think he even has it. Oh, I'm so annoyed by our side. If you want to call, I don't even, there's so many things that we're, we're no better. I'm done even pretending like it's so obvious to me. It's just like, whatever guys say, whatever the fuck you want to say. I'm, I, I don't know. Of course he has it. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, he has it. He looks like he has it. There is no, if you really think about it, it makes no logical sense that he would lie about having it. I know everyone's like, oh, well, he wants to pretend that he's got this thing so then he could show up and be like, yay. The people that believe that kind of bullshit already don't think COVID is a thing. Okay, so it's not moving the needle on anything that makes no sense. And even if this does, I guess, embolden the people that follow him, I would argue that they are at an elevated risk at this point, regardless, because they're not taking it seriously anyway. I know somebody who went to the grocery store once a month, went for 15 minutes. She tested positive. So that's where we're at. (laughs) If you don't don't respect this thing, it's going to get you. Oh, yeah. Totally. And the other risk we run in terms of Trump supporters having their misguided beliefs about coronavirus confirmed is what if he dies? Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, what if he dies and all of these right wing types who think coronavirus is a disease that was created by the elites? If Trump goes home to the White House and dies of coronavirus, those people are going to have a field day and it might be a violent field day. And you're already seeing Tucker Carlson just the other night went on his show and kind of like wink, wink, nod, nod was like, why didn't any Democrats get it at the debate? Why was it only people on Trump's side? It's like, I don't know, maybe because the Democrats were taking precautions against it at the debate and your side wasn't. But you know what he's getting at. He's getting at that conspiracy theory that says this is a disease spread by the elites and now the elites have killed Donald Trump. Well, here's the other thing. To me, this is more like parallel to the AIDS epidemic, just in a much faster timeline. They just giant quotation marks, whoever they are. I believe that this is, all of this is theater, okay? Like, this is all theater. People can say and do whatever the hell they want on Facebook, on whatever. It doesn't matter because the outcome is going to be the outcome, no matter what. I think the plan from day one has been and will prove to be that until it starts truly wiping out white suburban Americans, we're going to treat it like a hoax. Because this is this is exactly what the strategy with AIDS was. Like, okay, it's a gay thing. So it's as long as it's for the most part only affecting gay people, let's just let it simmer underneath the ground and gain heat. And do it. It, that's what it is. So now this is why I want to come back to my point. If coronavirus is in the White House, <laughs> I'm sorry, 
But Michael Myers is officially out of the insane asylum. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the people that are about to get hit with this thing are not, are there, cons- I mean, this is, I mean, this is my horrible prediction. Whether or not people believe this is a conspiracy or not, I feel like the people that believe this is a conspiracy are more likely to get this thing and are going to get it in the winter months because they're not taking it seriously. And it's going to be in the Midwest and in the rest, rest Belt where it gets cold. So people go to the grocery store, they get this thing, they come home and they just sit around stewing in these humid heat heated homes and they're going to get sick because we know that's how it works. Yeah. Oh, man. We're fun, you and I. You and I. This is a fun, are, fun, fun you, episode. Everyone should invite me and Adam to their parties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that bringing up the AIDS crisis or the AIDS epidemic, that was one of the things very early on when we were all still glued to the television watching the coronavirus team give us daily updates. Every time someone was like, I was there on the front lines of the AIDS crisis, I like got a a sinking feeling in my stomach because it's like, oh, okay, you botched that really bad. Let's see how this goes. Like as much as we are are kind of making anthony fauci out to be some sort of hero when he talks about how long he's been in the government you got to take into account he oversaw the aids epidemic too so he's handling it better than trump but he's still anthony fauci he's a company man i mean come on yeah The, the problem is is that trump doesn't respect company men see this is i think the biggest difference between him and any other president and i know that this is why people quote unquote liked him but it's a problem because at the, at the end of the day, he doesn't respect the optics of what's happening right now. And every populist leader has gotten COVID. So yeah. like that's the other thing we need to remember is every populist leader has got the What's his name from Brazil? Got it twice. Bolsonaro. Yeah. And in the case so, of both of Bolsonaro and Boris Johnson, when people were like, oh, well, Boris Johnson survived. Like Boris Johnson is 20 years younger and still had to be admitted to the ICU. And European with a better healthcare system and a better diet overall. This is the other thing that cracks me up. Well, look at the Germans, like their mortality rate's fine. Yeah, no shit. They exercise and they eat well. Sorry, cats and kittens. What's that's not us. Yeah. <laughs> that's just not us. Yeah. It I don't want to I mean, we haven't really gotten into the movie much anyway. I, I just, I, I won't spoil the ending, but it's uh, not what the FBI makes it out to be. I would encourage people to watch it just to, I mean, prepare yourself, if nothing else, for what it's, could transpire in this country if Trump okay. dies. So I want to be really clear as a movie person that it is an okay movie. It is there. The first quarter of it is really good. Because whoever the all the actors that they get are pretty fantastic, and then they bring on this like FBI investigator, and I was like, yeah, you're not very good. And then it like there's some act the there's some acting that is not great. Yeah, this. some of they're the really- interview subjects sound like they're narrating a documentary as opposed to answering questions in a documentary. Yeah, they look like people who are in like a, some kind of big pharma commercial. Frankly, yeah, <laughs> they're just like. You know, they tried to age one of the women. It's not very good. But I think as a proof of concept, it's not really a proof of concept as a as a as a thought exercise um, for how larger governmental entities maneuver and leverage moments of national crisis, specifically the loss of a president. It's a good 
it's good to take a look. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. It's just something to watch and keep in mind as this this news cycle progresses. And if I could make one more suggestion for uh, something you could take in to kind of understand why this is happening, read Mary Trump's book. (laughs) That book, she's a clinical psychologist. She grew up with Trump and it is very revealing as to why everything that's happening with coronavirus and Trump is happening. Like one of the things I read today when AIDS and his doctors were trying to talk him out of leaving the hospital, his response was, well, me being in the hospital makes me look weak. And that is such an important quote, because if you read that book, that was Trump's dad's entire life philosophy was if you show any weakness, you are losing. Weakness is the biggest sin you could commit in the Trump family. And that book really does a good job of explaining how Trump got to be the person he is and why he's responding to this the way he is. I would argue that in business, that's actually true. In business, that's true. Yeah. That's a hundred percent accurate. I mean, there's that famous rule, whoever talks first loses. I mean, it is, you know, that's a fact, but this is the problem when you want a businessman as a president, because they are going to treat the company like a business which we're not. No, we are not a business. We are not a business. And so when people say like, I want a real business, right? Well, first of all, (laughs) unfortunately, his his financial dealings have also come to light at the same week that he gets COVID. And that's not going to go away. I mean, there's the other problem of that. And uh, I'm frankly surprised. Here's the other thought that I had. If it were a hoax, then he should have he would have utilized it to dodge his financial revelations. If this was a hoax, he would be reported dead and living in Argentina by now. Yeah, I mean, he's uncontrollable and it's going to be very interesting to see how that gets corrected. I will say, cause I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know what happens. Yeah. It's that's why I like, I've given up on trying to make predictions about what Trump will do next or what will happen next. Me too. It seemed pretty uh, apparent and clear for a while there. And now with coronavirus, it is just a whole other thing. The problem is, is he's acting scared to me. Like, from my perspective, he seems terrified. Like, the erratic behavior, the tweeting, all of it is, like, you know, not good. Because he he comes from a a family and a belief system that says, if you think it, you can be it. If you envision your world one way, it will be one way. And sometimes that's true, but sometimes you die of COVID. Yeah, I mean, I'm just sad. More than anything right now, I'm just very sad about all of this. I'm sad for us. I'm sad for, I'm sad for people who believed him. I am because they're sad people. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, that's a sad place to be in 24 hours a day, mentally and spiritually and emotionally. Um, I'm obviously sad for, for all of us. I mean, I just, him having, him having this, even in the best of circumstances complicates the next month so drastically. Oh yeah. At the worst time for things to be complicated this drastically. Um, yeah, that's, that's the thing. The events of this movie that we're talking about don't happen weeks before the election. Like that adds a whole other, and we haven't even brought that up. What kind of fuel is this going to add to his argument that 
hey, maybe I deserve another term or we should delay the election. Like all of this is going to feed into that as well. Like what if Biden refuses to do the next debate, which he probably should. So he doesn't get COVID from Trump. I mean, Trump could be like, well, that's not fair. The election's not fair. Results don't matter. I'm not leaving. I think, you know, we're recording. I don't know when you're going to drop this, but I think the next. Okay, we're going to know in the next four or five days if that debate's going to happen, because that's how this thing works. If he's not resting and he's not like if he's not taking this thing seriously, we'll know. Yeah, he's not. He's not even in the point of the disease that doctors deem serious. Like that's the seven to 10 day point. He hasn't even hit that yet. And he left the hospital. Man's going to die in the White House. We'll know. We're going to know something. But, but Caitlin. Yes, Adam. Then the White House haunted. Man, you know who we need to send in there? Zach Bagans is going to have to go in there and get Trump to throw some ashtrays around. (laughs) That, that will be the good payoff. Like, that's the only positive it's outcome of this. All worth it if Zach Bagans could go ghost hunting in the White House. A special Halloween episode, Zach talks to Trump. Did you know Jeffrey Epstein? <laughs> Answer me. Tell me about the island. How much did you pay in taxes in 2014? How much do you really spend on your hair? <laughs> I sense a really angry president here. Is it true you took a bunch of that silver supplement and your skin is blue now and that's why you paint yourself orange? I've heard that. I hope that's true. I hope Trump is just like fantastic <laughs> like full, for blue. Full super, super villain. Just <laughs> yeah. He's just going to Hulk out. Maybe this is the beginning of like some super villain origin story. I don't know. Yeah, well, like... We don't know how, what those experimental treatments are going to do. We what didn't even talk about what if Trump comes out of this with superpowers. Oh, shit. <laughs> that, that's really interesting. I, I I was joking with my husband that Trump's going to run out of the White House in his pajamas yelling it's Christmas morning. Like, that's what's going to happen. He's going to have like a Scrooge. He's going to be visited by three ghosts. Yeah, I hope he doesn't just like decide to nuke someone because he's dying. Like, I don't. Something tells me that that's that people are pretending not to hear things right now. I got to be honest. I I would hope so. I think so. I think so. I mean, I think they figured out a way to like rein him in. I would not be surprised if 30 years from now, you and I get a book that's about all of the things that he never knew he had access to because they didn't tell him. I wouldn't be surprised. I hope so. I hope they are keeping lots genuinely, of secrets from him. Genuinely would not be surprised. Yeah. Genuinely, like I would feel better. I'd be like, oh, thank God. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I think that's our episode. I feel like I could talk about this for another hour, but it would all just be sad. And uh, I don't know, like buckle up, America. It's going to be an interesting couple of months. Decade. It's going to be an interesting decade. We are in this for a while. Whatever this is, whatever is happening now is the beginning of, don't forget that eight months is not a long time in world history. So feels long because we've been in it, but it's not. Yeah. This could carry on for years. Which is why I just want to come back to encouraging people to take some time to genuinely figure out what the hell you believe about the world around you. This is the time to do it. I'm not saying you have to be change or anything like that, but if you're operating unconsciously, now's a good time to just kind of shake some stuff loose. Maybe meditation, we you start that. I don't know. Look into TikTok time. 
great work. Find something because clinging to political theater for your sanity is an insane thing to do. Yeah. It's not, it's not good. And you just become part of a mobilized marketing ploy more than anything else. Sheep. Oh God. I got called a sheep on Twitter recently. The only people who call people sheep are sheep. That's what I thought. I didn't really respond. Yeah. I don't, I get, I get like poked at. I can tell people are trying to pick a fight with me on Twitter and I just, I just don't. Yeah. That's all you have to do, kids. Just don't respond. Don't Don't. respond. It'll make your life way better. All right. We should fucking get out of here, I guess. Go back to the real world. Do we have any, do we have anything to plug before we get out of here? I kind of do. Okay. 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 My husband has a Halloween podcast called Spooktacular Now that is uh, up and running. And he and our good friend Katie cover horror movies for the month of October. And it's a blast. If you are curious about what kind of man marries me, (laughs) this is your chance (laughs) to figure it out. Um, And uh, I think it's, I'm going to point you to my Instagram account for more information, but hold on one second. Spooktacular now. Okay. Yeah. It's on iTunes. Spooktacular now. It's on um, Spotify too. And it's on Stitcher. It's on all the, it's on all the things. Spooktacular now. Check it out. Miles Lemaire and our good friend, Katie, who is like, she was in our wedding. She's oh, good Katie, people. sure. You know, Katie. 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 So that's, that's the thing I'm plugging. Uh, the next Unpops Zoom comedy show is this Friday. If you're listening to this the week it comes out, which you goddamn better be. Come on, uh, people. October 9th, we got a very fun lineup. Matt Lieb, Teresa Lee, Tiff Myers, Jen Scott, Jessica Singer, hosted by the lovely and talented Jeff May. Friday, October 9th, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Tickets are $10. Go to unpopscomedy.eventbrite.com and buy them. And what? Come watch people tell jokes. That's a small price to pay for A, something to do on a Friday night these days. Right. B, for a really great lineup. That's a really, really fun lineup. It's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward yeah. to it. And uh, follow the show on Twitter at Pretty Scary Boo. Yeah, do it. And, uh, and then, uh, I'm on Instagram at Caitlin Rose Cut. And I'm on Twitter at Bossy Matilda. If you're mean to me, I'm not going to respond. But if you're nice to me, I'll talk to you. I'm on both of those at Adam Todd Brown. And I probably will not talk to you. But it's no, nothing probably. personal. You just got, uh, I got, Adam, I got to have Adam, some boundaries in my life. You got some, you need some boundaries. I'm not quite as cool as you yet in that department. But again, if you're mean to me, I just don't, I don't fuck with it. So. Yeah. And I mean, I've, I like, I'll like stuff and I might respond to everyone, but like, don't be offended if I don't interact on social media. It's not, I'm trying to keep my head together in some very stressful times. Here's a really great thing we can do. Go ahead and tweet me questions that you have for Adam and I'll text him. Yeah, do that. that <laughs> and works. I'll, uh, we'll, we'll just do it that way. Oh, and leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm slash pretty scary. When are we going to do that? We'll do it soon. I got I to okay. go see how many we've gotten. Sweet. Hopefully enough. Sweet. All right. Let's get out of here. Caitlin, say goodbye. Goodbye to all of you. Goodbye, America. We love you.